This January 1st will mark a hundred years since a young woman by the name of Amy Simple McPherson opened a church in Los Angeles called Angeles Temple. It's a pretty phenomenal story of what God did in her life. She came to know Jesus as a teenager and uh, was in an evangelistic meeting where she came to know the Lord. And the guy who happened to be the evangelist ended up becoming her husband. A guy by the name of Robert Semple. It was in 1907. And she was 17 years old when they got married. Young. In a year or so, they felt very called, and they went to Hong Kong to do ministry. Been there for a while. She was pregnant, expecting a baby, and they both became ill, and he died. She remained in Hong Kong long enough for the baby to be born in September of 1910, and then came back to America on a ship, 19 years old, with a baby just a few days old, and she on the ship organized Bible studies and began to teach the Bible. Just an amazing person. Came back, ended up kind of drifting a little bit of what was she supposed to do. Ended up in 1912 marrying again. This time she married a guy who uh, was named Harold McPherson. They had a son, Rolf. But she began to realize that she was called. And she began to travel across the country with these two little children, begin doing meetings. Initially, Harold was in on it, agreed, and then he decided that wasn't what he wanted, so he was done. So literally, here she was, by 1921, here she is now, just past the age of 30, two small children, single mom, But God has raised her up to travel around the world with this amazing ministry. She ends up in Los Angeles and began to hold meetings and uh, decided she was supposed to plant a church there. So she started the processes, found a contractor, and uh, she had $5,000. And she asked him, she said, what will that do? He said... Well, that'll probably dig the hole. And so she said, dig it, God will fill it. And he did. So that literally as the money came in, the building was built. And on January 1st, 1923, was the dedication of that building. This next year is going to be a major celebration in Foursquare. And actually on January 1st, and I'll get this information out in our emails, Melissa, don't let me forget this, uh, of the service that you can actually participate online that will be held at Angelus Temple on the 1st this year on that 100th anniversary in this whole year. But that church seated 5,300 people. And within seven years, 
they had had billions of people who had come through because they didn't just hold services and pack it on Sunday. They held services every day, and every day it was filled. God began to do amazing things, and there was a Bible school that was raised up very shortly. And then there was feeding ministry. Uh, In the 1930s, during the Great Depression, just an amazing ministry of feeding the poor that God just caused her to do. She was probably one of the most controversial people of that day. By 1924, she was the first woman to hold a commercial radio license and had a radio station that she began to broadcast all over because it was a powerful wattage of radio station that God used her in so many ways and then churches began to be planted all over the world and were a part of that whole process of what God did because God does things radical and he looks at people that someone would say well that'll never work and he makes it work God took this unlikely young woman who married this evangelist at age 17 and within a short time had gone to Hong Kong came back a widow went through divorce, life didn't always go the way it was planned, and yet God did amazing things. So I think it's quite fitting that today we continue to talk about the radical ways of God, and we talk about someone else, a couple of someones, who were pretty unlikely candidates that God chose. One of them was also a young girl, literally, when God set her apart. And today we're going to meet the parents of Jesus, Mary. I want you to think about this. We don't know her exact age, but she was somewhere probably between the age of 12 and 14. I want you to think of some teenage girl you know that's in that age range. And that's how old Mary was. When Gabriel came to her and said, I don't want you to be alarmed, but you're pregnant. That would shake you up, wouldn't it? Would shake your parents up. But I know that you're a virgin. But the Holy Spirit is the reason you're pregnant. And you have been chosen to be the mother of the son of God as he becomes the son of man that's a pretty heavy assignment even if she was 15 can you imagine that you know I think it's sad because there's ways in which Mary either gets deified in the Christian realm Or many times in the Protestant world, we don't really give her, I think, enough credit for who she was and what she did. Because she wasn't divine, but she was divinely chosen for divine appointment. And then, at the time this happened, because this was in that day customary, this wasn't unusual, she was already engaged to a guy And it was very customary for the guys to be considerably older. And so it's very likely that Joseph was probably at least 30, may have been in his mid-30s. 
when he and Mary became engaged. Boy, wouldn't it have been interesting to have been in that conversation when Mary said, Joe, I need to tell you something. I'm going to have a baby. And Joe knew it wasn't his child. He knew that he had done all the honorable things that he should do as her uh, fiance, and so there was no way it could be his child. But this tells you about the character of Joseph. We don't know much about him, but what we do know is he's a man of amazing character because he makes the decision that he won't just end the relationship in a big public way. Because in that culture, in that day, the custom was that if you were engaged virtually, that was as if you were already married. So literally to break the engagement would be the same level of a, of a breakup as a divorce would be in our culture of a marriage. So he's going to privately divorce her. And he has a dream. And in the dream, God tells him, this is okay. Because this is my son. And I want you to be the earthly father of my son. Here he is, this roughly 30-year-old craftsman. I know this messes with people, and I won't go into a lot of this today, but it's probably more likely that he was a stonemason than actually a carpenter because everything was built out of stone in those days, but he was a craftsman. He wasn't a preacher. He wasn't someone who had set aside his regular life, but God knew that he had what it would take to care for Mary to care for Jesus and to live the life that God had called because God wanted his son to be brought into the world to experience life in the way that we live and even to the point that God knew he needed brothers and sisters. How many of you know that until you have three children, you're really not a parent? Because until there are three children, there's not ability for two to gang up on the other one. Any of you who've been in a large family understand what I'm talking about. So God had all this set up, unlikely people, that he decides, I'm going to trust them with my son. Do we have a radical God or what? Let's go back and look at the story. You've heard it before, but let's read it again. Matthew 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. His mother Mary had promised Joseph to be his wife. But while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Her fiancé, Joseph, was a righteous man full of integrity, and he didn't want to disgrace her. But when he learned of her pregnancy, he secretly planned to break the engagement. While he was still debating with himself about what to do, he fell asleep and had a supernatural dream. An angel from the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, descendant of David, don't hesitate to take Mary into your home as your wife, because the power of the Holy Spirit has conceived a child in her room. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Savior, for he is destined to give his life to save his people from their sins. 
That's what Christmas is ultimately about. Now I want us to look at these two people, this couple, because I think there's tremendous insight into their lives and how they lived that can help us in what God would like to do in and through us. Now the good news, ladies, the Son of Man has already been brought to earth, so you don't have to worry that God's going to ask you to do what he asked Mary to do. But he may ask you to do something that becomes just as challenging to you as that did to her. Guys, I don't know what God may have, but God is a God who does unlikely with unlikely people. And it's so important that we live lives where we are positioned to receive uncommon revelation from God. Our world is fascinated with the supernatural. And yet the sad thing is, we look at superheroes, we look at all the supernatural expressions, and we see it as something out there that isn't really our world, it's a part of our imaginary world. And I don't know how to tell you this, but the reason that we get so fascinated with Marvel characters is because inside of you is the very power that said, let there be light, and there was light. You were created to have a Superman t-shirt or a Wonder Woman t-shirt. And it'd be more than just a souvenir of going to a movie. God created us for the supernatural. And that's what happened with both Joseph and Mary. They're in the ordinary part of life and suddenly they both get news that would shake anybody up in the scenario they were in. Joseph, you you go back in verse 20. While he was still debating with himself about what to do, he fell asleep and had a supernatural dream. An angel from the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, descendant of David, don't hesitate to take Mary into your home as your wife because the power of the Holy Spirit has conceived a child in her womb and it wasn't just him Mary if you go over to Luke chapter 1 verse 26 during the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary living in Nazareth a village in Galilee she was engaged to a man named Joseph a true descendant of King David both of them heard directly from the angel of God. It's so important that you and I begin to let this soak in. God wants to reveal himself to those who are open to receive supernaturally. I don't know if anybody in this room has ever experienced the manifestation of an angel in your presence. I haven't. It's interesting, there's a common denominator that seems to be true. Every time an angel appeared in the Bible to people, they were all scared to death. Because it would be probably pretty overwhelming to have the magnitude, not just of the physical presence, but the spiritual presence of the angel. And yet here's the thing that I wish that sometimes God would just let us see it. If you and I could peel back our natural perspectives long enough 
and just fully open our eyes supernaturally in this room, I promise you there are angels all over this room. When you drove in this morning to this property, there were angels lined up all around the edges of this property. They lined the driveway. You know, usually on days like Veterans Day or Fourth of July, we put flags up coming in the driveway. Every time I look at those flags, I think about the angels that are standing there holding them. Because I'm telling you, there are angels here. You say, oh, I don't know about that. That's your problem. I'm telling you, God's angels are all around. What we don't need is to hope that there are angels. We need to pray for God to open our lives and hearts to recognize the presence and to be sensitive to the presence of his angels that are all around us. And that we would begin to live lives that just don't go, well, you know, it'd be nice somewhere if I had some kind of a real visitation from God. What would happen if everyone in this room and every person online began to earnestly say, God, I want to experience supernatural visitation. I want to experience the supernatural sense of recognizing the presence of God. Because I believe this with all my heart. I believe that God wants us to experience far more than we do. I think it's our busyness. It's our uncertainness. It's our disappointments that have come in life that have left us sometimes feeling like we've been let down that keep us from being sufficiently open to what God would really want to do. I can't tell you that I've had actual angels' presence, but on multiple occasions in my lifetime, I've had experience of knowing that there was something supernatural happening. And uh, one of those experiences was standing right down here in front of this platform years ago in a Monday night experience and just beginning to worship God. And I'll never forget this night. I, I stood down here and I just began to lean against the platform and just worshiped God. And as the evening progressed, I became overwhelmed with the presence of God. So much so, I've heard the expression ever since I've been a part of charismatic Pentecostal world of people being drunk in the spirit. I'm going to tell you that night I experienced that. Literally to the point that my son-in-law had to drive me home. I was going to drive home and they wouldn't let me. Because it was obvious that there was empowerment. I also will never forget in the days right before LifeBridge started as a church, really needing God's direction of what he wanted to do. And I didn't really have, I don't think, an actual dream. It must have been a vision. Because literally I remember waking up early in the morning And I remember God saying and just dumping in my spirit, this is what you are to do. 
And I begin taking those steps. And that's why LifeBridge is here today. I tell you that not because I want you to say, wow, he's had experiences with God. They're not the only ones, but those are two of the most profound. What I'm here to say to you is God wants that in all of us. And I'm praying for myself that in this coming year, I become open that I'm not telling you stories of what has happened, but that this next year, and even before this next year comes, that I would have fresh encounters of the direct supernatural presence and power of God. But I want that not just for me. I want that for every person who's a part of LifeBridge and every person who's a part of the kingdom of God. Wouldn't it be incredible as we celebrate a hundred years of Foursquare if God launched this next hundred years with raising up literally hundreds and thousands of young teenagers in the way he raised up Amy McPherson and called them into his service for his kingdom purpose that we would expect God to do amazing things we're going to start in January on the fifth Sunday of January we're going to start having generation Sundays from generation to generation and it's going to be a day that we're going to bring our kids in here with us other than the nursery area and we're going to have church together Pastor Joe is going to bring the messages and don't you look and say oh that's for the kids and the young families if you're past childbearing age because I'm going to pray God gives you an Abraham and Sarah experience if you stay home on those Sundays. And I believe God can do supernatural things. No, we're going to come together generation to generation and we are going to watch God raise up our next generation out of life, Rich. Get ready for it. Expect it. Believe it. God wants to do great and mighty things and he wants the older generations to raise up the younger generations and for us to flow together so that he can do because what God wants us to understand is that we need to recognize that unlike is actually likelihood with God. Is it unlikely to happen in the natural? Then it's very likely with God. What are things that you've wished could happen? What are things that you've hoped would happen? Would you dare believe God in this next year that God would do things that have been in your heart for a long time but you thought, oh, it couldn't happen because the natural continues to rob you of the supernatural? What would happen if next year we all decided to go the distance and we let God do in us because we begin to experience the supernatural and in the same way that Joseph in the middle of an ordinary life getting ready to make a really bad decision that seemed the right thing to do was stopped in the middle of the decision by a dream and a visitation from an angel that said don't you dare leave this woman because She is going to mother and is already pregnant with the Son of God as the Son of Man. I'm going to tell you something. There are truths that we have to hold dear. One of the most fundamental truths that you and I can never let go of is Jesus was born of a virgin. He is the Son of God son of man and Mary and Joseph's obedience 
released it. How can we release the Son of God, Son of Man, if we would become obedient? Now, here's what was also true of them. They, they developed a true appreciation for the treasure of Christ. You know, they, they took Jesus to the temple for 40 day, after 40 days for his uh, being recognized and for Mary's purification. And when they're there, this old man, Simeon, who's been going to the temple, this is another one of those things to remind us it is generation and generation. Here he is, this old man. For years, God's promised him, you're going to see my Messiah in the flesh before you die. And here come Mary and Joseph into the temple. They came up those south steps, came into the temple, probably had stopped at the Pool of Siloam for purification before they came up. And then when they walked in, Simeon sees this baby. And God says, this is the moment you've waited your whole life for. Simeon cradled the baby in his arms and praised God and prophesied, Lord and Master, I am your loving servant. Now I can die content for you fulfilled your promise to me. With my own eyes, I have seen your word, the Savior you sent into the world. He will be glory for your people Israel and the revelation light for all people everywhere. Mary and Joseph stood there awestruck over what was being said about their baby. Simeon then blessed them and prophesied over Mary saying, A painful sword will one day pierce your inner being for your child will be rejected by many in Israel. And the destiny of your child is this. He will be laid down as a miracle sign for the downfall and resurrection of many in Israel. Many will oppose this sign but will expose all the innermost thoughts of their hearts before God. Those dreams they had had, now there's amazing confirmation. Because I don't think they fully knew what was going to happen. How could they? They couldn't read the end of the story yet. They couldn't watch The Chosen. They were living it all out. And now here they are in the temple. And as Simeon begins to speak prophetically about Jesus, this baby, he's just a baby. He says, this is the word. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. He is the living word of God. He said, this is the savior. Everyone who was a good Jew was waiting for Messiah. He's now declaring this is him. This is the glory of Israel. This is the revelation light of the world. Now he's prophesying to what God's going to do in us, the Gentiles. And so now it's beginning to light up in Joseph and Mary what God had been doing in them. That all they had done is act in obedience on the information they had till God gave them more information. If you're waiting till God tells you everything, you'll never do anything significant for God. What has God told you that you can operate with until he tells you more? Operate in what you know now until God tells you something more to enhance what you already know. That's what they did. Jesus became this sinless substitute that not only brought atonement for sin. Here they are in the temple. Here you come to the place to have sacrifice so atonement can be made for your sin. Once a year, the high priest goes in and offers the sacrifice in the Holy of Holy. Remember Zechariah last week had done this? Now, Jesus comes 
And no longer is there any need to go into the temple. When he was crucified, that curtain that was still in the temple when they came to bring him to be dedicated was torn in two. And you and I can go into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God. Because Jesus not only atoned for our sins, but he brings remission. It is as if it never happened. The slate is clean. God remembers it no more. Are there things in your past that haunt you? Are there things that you look back and you think, oh, I just wish it hadn't happened? I wish I couldn't remember that. Did you know that whatever in your life falls under the power of sin, the blood of Jesus has eradicated? And what sometimes haunts you and the enemy tries to condemn you with, when you go to God, God says, what are you talking about? Because he has remitted every sin that you ever committed as if it never happened. And that's what Joseph and Mary are beginning to get a picture of. This is why we talk about Jesus as this treasure. He's this amazing treasure that has everything that we could hope for in life. Everything that we could dream of. It is in this treasure, Jesus. And here's the part that... Joseph and Mary couldn't even yet know that you and I now know for sure because Paul made it so clear to us in 2 Corinthians. This treasure that they were beginning to discover through the proclamation of Simeon of who he is is resident inside of us. The very life of Christ is in you. So what is it that struggle that you're dealing with right now? What is it that overwhelms you? What is it that torments you? Could I challenge you when you begin to feel oppressed, you begin to feel torn down, you begin to feel broken, could I challenge you to begin to concentrate on the treasure of Christ in you? Read 2 Corinthians 4 till you believe it. Begin to read the truth of the Word of God until you begin to understand that's what is in me if you're a believer. The treasure of Christ. That's what God was beginning to work in Joseph and Mary. And here's the thing to remember. It's a process God works in us. I'm further than I was a few years ago, but there's still further for me to go. There's still deeper insights in what I need to experience and want to experience with God. And God wants us to be open to receive that. There's also power in us being in union with others. Remember God came and walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day because he wanted to be in fellowship with him? God's desire is for us to be in fellowship with him and he also wanted them to be in fellowship with each other. God wants us to be in community. And the greatest expression of that between people is marriage. But God wants us to live in community beyond marriage, but he also wants marriage to become a picture of that. And that's literally what was happening uh, of the synergy of two becoming one as God's dealing in Joseph when he finds out Mary's pregnant. 
what's he going to do? Because he believes she's the one he's supposed to marry. But the news he's just gotten is more than he can handle. And then we go back to that verse 20. While he was still debating with himself about what to do, he fell asleep and had a supernatural dream. An angel from the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, descendant of David, don't hesitate to take Mary into your home as your wife because the power of the Holy Spirit has conceived a child in her womb. Had to have been a miraculous work of God that suddenly caused in his spirit Him embracing Mary in such a way that the two, that's the moment where literally they became one. Was when he made the decision, I'm going to receive you as my wife, even though he knew she was pregnant. Can you imagine the relief in Mary when Joseph says to her, the angels visited me too, and I believe what you've told me. One of the greatest bonds in a marriage is the ability to trust each other. If grace tells me something, I believe it. And I think she believes most of what I tell her. (laughs) Because there is that bond. If you mess with grace, you mess with me. And if you mess with me, you mess with grace. Because we're in it together. We can have some little spats. And it sometimes takes a while before Grace realizes she's wrong. (laughs) I didn't say I'm the brightest guy in the world. I said I'm happy. No, the truth is we're one. And that's what God wants us to understand. Those of you who are married today, could I challenge you to let the Spirit of God Quicken this into your spirit in a new and fresh way. Those of you who aren't married that are contemplating marriage, don't settle for anything less than what this is about. Don't you dare settle for a relationship if you're not married that you don't already know it's going to produce what I'm talking about in this. Because there's a powerful truth when two come together as one. Because one can put a thousand to flight Two can put 10,000. And then when you add the mix of the Holy Spirit in that, a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. It's what God wants to have happen. God, help our marriages in LifeBridge to be strengthened in this next year. Help us as we begin to look and say, God, what can we do from generation to generation? The greatest thing that those of you can do who are married for the next generations is to let them see godly marriage between a husband and wife in your life. And to be the fullness of what God wants it to be. And so here you have this willing virgin to be the mother of God and a willing husband to embrace her as her husband, even though he has not consummated the marriage because she's pregnant with the Son of God. He becomes a surrogate father. And isn't it interesting that if you trace both their genealogies, if you trace the Matthew genealogy, you know Joseph history. If you trace the Luke genealogy, if you trace it, you know Mary's genealogy. You know where they both go back to? David. They're royalty. Here they are, an ordinary couple in the natural world of their day, but they have roots in royalty. 
I don't know where your family has been. I had an aunt many years ago that traced the Campbell family uh, back into the 1700s, and now there's so many things. As a matter of fact, did you know that the library in Fort Wayne has more genealogy records than anybody besides the Mormon church in the world? It's in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So if you want to know about your family, go to the library because there's a lot you can learn. And it's interesting because you don't even need to go to the library. You can go to the Word of God and find out something about your spiritual genealogy. I'm going to tell you something. I'm a child of a king. Grace is a child of the king. So when the two of us came together, royalty. Now, do we have a palace? No, we have a home we like. But most people wouldn't call it a palace. Do we have servants? No, we have a cat that we serve. But we're royalty. And if you're a child of God, so are you. I pray that God would cause this to soak into us today. That we would begin to understand the power of us understanding who we are. Now let me broaden this for those of you who aren't married those of you who may be widowed or you've been through divorce, you've had painful relationship possibly, don't let the enemy destroy you with that because you are family with all of us. We're in community together. And there's power in the unity of a church that decides we're going to flow together. And that doesn't mean we're all alike. This would be a boring place if we were all just alike. We're not. But God takes the uniqueness of who he's created all of us to be and he blends it together because in the same way that he brought this 30-something-year-old craftsman together with this 12- to 14-year-old young girl to be parents of the Son of God, God takes unlikely people and he brings them together in a union of purpose. Oh, that you and I would determine that this next year we are going to go the distance and we're going to do it together, that we are going to take generation to generation and that we are going to be the church of Jesus Christ and that the very living Son of God dwells inside of us and we're going to live out of that because we have a radical God who doesn't want us to be mamby-pamby Christians anymore. God wants us to be people who are bonded together for his kingdom cause. The enemy thought that with COVID and with politics, he would destroy the church. I want to tell you, he's a liar. Those of you online with us today, you're just as much a part of us as those in the room. But every once in a while, come in the room with us. Because we all need to be bonded together in powerful ways of what God will do. But I also don't want to diminish the importance of the connection of those who are our family and are using the resources God has given us for us to be able to have online connection. It's a strange paradox of what God does because the whole world of internet has created all kinds of issues, but it also gives us ability to stay in touch in ways that we didn't have before. Let's rejoice in what we have and let's come together as a powerful expression of the kingdom of God and watch God do what he wants to do through us as we become unified for his kingdom purpose. 
Because when we begin to do that, when we begin to let God do that work in us, then we can begin to understand this truth. God is not going to do what he called us to do. We frequently ask God to do things that the truth is he's assigned us to do. God trusted his son to humanity. Matthew 1 verse 24 says it this way. When Joseph woke from his dream, he did all the angel of the Lord instructed him to do. He took Mary to be his wife. Someone had to do the role of the surrogate father and Joseph stood up and did it. God, for whatever reason, has chosen to work through people for whatever he's going to do in this world. We pray, oh God, send revival. God, we're waiting for revival to come. Hear me if you've never heard me before. You are the revival. Quit waiting for it and start living like it's in you. Did you hear that? Stop setting on your blessed assurance and get up and get to work for the revival of God is inside of you. Do you hear me? Listen, we are in the most passive church age since Jesus left this earth. The church of Jesus Christ is very passive. We're very self-oriented. God deliver us from that. God begin to raise us up to be proactive people that say with God's help, we're going to do great and mighty things. We're in this room are the Amy's that will say, I'm going to leave everything and go to Hong Kong. And you get there and your husband dies. And you say, God failed me. So I'm never going to do anything for him again. No, she's on the boat with a baby holding Bible studies. I'm telling you, we have been victimized by the enemy in our culture. I don't know what happened in your childhood. I don't know how you have been abused in your life. But it is time for the church of Jesus Christ to get over it. Because the power of God is resident in you. And the power of God in you is greater than any abuse that has ever happened. He has set you free. And if you're in Jesus, you are free indeed. Stop being a victim. God, deliver us from support groups and turn us into groups that are revolutionary for the kingdom of God. Can you tell I'm a little disturbed this morning? It's time, church. It's time for us to become exactly what God wants us to be. But I just don't know whether I can. Are you 12 years old and pregnant with the Son of God? No, because he can't trust you like he trusted her. And that's not his fault, that's yours. What are you doing with your time? If you're retired, it's fine for you to enjoy your retirement, but what are you doing for the kingdom of God? 
If you're raising a family, it's important that you do things for your children. But are you so engaged in things with them that you're not engaging them in the things that need to be in the kingdom of God and you need to be doing? What is it that you're doing that sets you apart from the rest of the world? Because that's exactly who Mary and Joseph became. And that's why God took them where they were and used them to release the Son of God. And we keep waiting, God, send a revival. God's saying, oh, you got the wrong question. Say, God, send me. God, send a revival. God says, no, I'm sending you. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to begin to implement it? What are you going to be open to? Well, God, I don't know. Well, do you long for a revelation from me? Begin to pray, God, reveal yourself. And where does God reveal himself? As you begin to praise and worship him. That night that I stood in front of this platform, I just began to get lost in his presence. Because you see, the Bible tells us God inhabits the praises of his people. You don't feel God, you don't sense God, worship him. Begin to engage actively in worship because that's where his house is. That's where he lives. If you haven't ever experienced experiencing God, worship him. Begin to praise him. You know where I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It wasn't in a church. I was working in a mattress store by myself. One day, no customers, and someone had handed me a book, Prison to Praise. And I started reading it. And as I was reading that book in a mattress store, the power of the Holy Spirit came into the mattress store and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. God help us to begin to long for his presence and then to live out what that means. Very simple. When we individually and as a community begin to position ourselves to receive uncommon revelation, get ready, it's going to happen. These would be some good prayer points for your life for 2023. Begin to pray, God, give me true appreciation for this treasure of Christ that's in me. Where's a good practice ground for that? This week, you're going to hit something that's going to frustrate you. And you're going to be all flustered about it. And I want you to remember right now what I'm saying to you. And it's going to come back to you in the middle of that. And I want you to stop You're gritching and griping when this happens. And stop complaining about whatever it is that's going wrong and begin to recognize that whatever it is, the treasure that is inside of you is greater than whatever it is. If the doctor's given you a horrible report, the treasure inside of you is greater because inside of you is the very healing life of Christ. If you're stressed, the very prince of peace is resident in you. Begin to stir up that treasure of Christ. And then begin to flow in the synergy when two become as one. Pray, oh God, help me be unified with this body of believers.
God, help me be unified in my marriage, in my relationships. And if there's relationships that right now can't be unified, don't be just getting in a quandary over those. Get into the places where you can be in unity and begin to flow into unity. Let that begin to be a driving force within you. And then embrace God's trust that he is going to use you He's trusted you to bring Jesus to the world. What are you doing with your assignment? Who are the people you're going to come in contact this week? Are there family members that don't even know who Jesus is, but you do? God's trusted you to make sure they know. Are there people in your work environment? God's trusted you to be the light and salt to them. Are there things that God wants you to do? There's some of you that have never once gone to the mission church on Christmas Eve afternoon and helped distribute goods. Could I just give you a bright idea for your Christmas Eve? What if you decided to show up at one o'clock? Make sure Jim knows so he can sign you up. I'm gonna tell you, it'll change your world. Because of what we're doing with the service this evening, I'm sounding like a hypocrite because I won't be there this year. But I will tell you, Grace and I have been there many times. I can remember one Christmas, and this one's going to be like that too. My toes were literally freezing off, and Robin gets the great job of driving the Suburban. And every once in a while, after you've been out freezing your toes off for two hours, you get 15 minutes inside the Suburban to warm up. But I'm going to tell you, it will if you have never ministered in service go do that Christmas Eve it'll change you it's amazing what happens and that may not be the assignment I'm giving you an example I'm not guilting you but what is it that God does want to do through you that you begin in a tangible way to become the hands and feet of Jesus because a radical God that chose a 12 year old girl to carry inside of her womb his son is also trusting you. And if he trusted her to give birth to Jesus, then even though the things you feel like that you are feel stirring in you seem bigger than you can do, God is a radical God who believes that what seems unlikely to you is actually likely in him. Why don't you give in to what he thinks instead of what you think? And watch and see what God will do. I can think of nothing better we can do today. I'm going to ask those of you who are going to help serve communion to begin to serve while I'm still talking. If you're here today, you're not a member of LifeBridge, but you're a part of the body of Christ, I want to invite you to receive communion with us in just a few moments. And uh, you all can begin to serve as soon as you're prepared. And as you get the elements, hold them, and then we're going to all receive them together. But you know, there's an interesting story in John chapter 2. Jesus is now about 30 years old. He's getting ready to go out into his ministry. And someone their family knows is getting married over in the town of Cana. And he's at the wedding with his mom. And they get to the wedding and they start to serve wine. 
the wedding. Or if you're a good Baptist boy like me, grape juice. But they begin to serve wine. And the problem was that they ran out of wine before people were ready to be done drinking. And Mary, who's watched this child that Gabriel had told her about when she became pregnant, that she had listened to Simeon in the temple. She had watched him when they took him back at age 12 and he was astounding the scholars of the day with what he knew. She had seen him function within their family. And she was beginning to understand who he is. And she says to them, you don't really have a problem here. You do whatever he tells you to do. And Jesus goes, oh, mom. It's in the amplified version. And she says, you do whatever he tells you to do. And Jesus says to them, go get some water containers. And then as they begin to serve, it's not water. It's the best wine. To the point that guests are saying, why did you save the very best wine to last? Usually you serve that first before people have had a little too much. Because what God does, he takes what's already been that we've tasted of, of our own wine, of the things that we have filled our lives with. And he says to us, as he said to the woman at the well, I've got water that you know nothing of. And he says, I'm going to take this water I'm going to turn it into wine because I want you to understand you're the vine and you're the branches. Do you understand all the imagery of what he's telling us for us to understand? So that when we receive communion, I pray that you see it in a whole new light today that you begin to understand whatever he tells you to do, do it. And that his very life that is resident in you takes the ordinary that was water, takes the leftover from when there's no wine that you already had left, and he begins to take the very life flow of the vine and begins to flow it through us. Because this cup that I hold in my hand represents something far more powerful than the juice that's inside this. Because the greatest of the flow that the wine represents is the very blood of Jesus. That was inherent in him that had the Son of God who became Son of Man through Mary but still totally the Son of God so that he could live just like you and I do, but he didn't sin. So that the power of sin that had been released in the garden, that God had prophetically looked at Satan in Genesis 3.15 and said, listen, you are going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. 
And that's what Jesus did at Calvary. So that you and I can become just like Joseph and Mary. That we can be in the radical way of God. The flesh empowered by the Spirit. And so today as we take the bread and we drink the cup. Recognize that you are empowered. The body of Christ was broken for you. The blood of Jesus was shed. And you and I are literally empowered to live to the fullness of everything we've talked about this morning. Would you receive the bread? Would you drink the cup? God, help us. Help us to see it. Help us to see it, God. Help us to live it. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. Rejoice in his cleansing. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. You've met the parents today. Go be them. Same power of God that empowered Mary and Joseph is inside of you. It's just that you, some of you who are of age, don't have to worry about it's going to be a child he's going to have you raise. But it may be a whole group of kids down in this hallway that he's going to entrust you with. What are you going to do with it?